0: Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome back to the Exhaust Notes Podcast, your new favorite Formula One podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I'm with my guys, Roet and Todd, to talk about some racing and some, uh, I guess, no, no official racing, but lots of racing rumors this week. So what's good, guys? How are you doing? Drive
1: to survive two years from now is going to be so good. That's all I can think of at this point. <laughs> two years from now guys let's just wait are we still on that train are we still excited for drive to survive i will watch it every year just because it brought me you guys
2: (laughs) 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 it's just from yeah heart heart emoji (laughs) um yeah we're good we we you know tried to record last week we didn't for various reasons including hurricane yay (laughs) um uh, and, you know... Kanye kind, got a hurricane? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, we don't mention his name on this <laughs> no, podcast. No, no, we don't talk uh, about... Voldemort. Bruno. Voldemort. Uh, um, gay area is what I was going for. Uh. uh, uh yeah, we, we waited a day and got some more insanity. So let's... I want to start, though, with some of our favorite talk every year. Let's talk about liveries. So far, we've seen... What, McLaren? They just up and said, hey, here's our new car. No fanfare. Yep. Uh, We saw Williams.
1: Which, not too bad, actually. I think it's low-key. It slaps, as a kid say. It's going to be very underrated.
2: Yes, looks good. Uh, Steak. Everyone's favorite. Steak F1 team kicks Albert right is that the order i'm gonna get it by the end of this year sauber Stake f1 team
1: and who are those drivers where
2: no, you forgot kick yeah <laughs> hey look at you can finally say that um and then uh haas so give me an a power ranking each of you four to one out of what we've seen so far row you go first
1: Stake, steak 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 <laughs> I'm a no, the honest. worst and the best? It's it's everything everywhere all at once. The only thing that would be even more appropriate is if Michelle Yo was one of the drivers on that <laughs> car. Just I mean, like I, not only that, like if you look at the publicity photos of one Terry Botas, if he doesn't embrace his future as a Moto X racer in America <laughs> by the name of Terry Botas. Like this, this allows us to write the fan fiction. Like this, truly is the livery that keeps on giving. I don't know what else I can say about it, other than I demand that every team on the grid have their homage to this. But yeah, it's. And I mentioned before the Williams one looks great. I think Alex Albon is going to continue to be the most underrated driver, and now he has the most underrated car livery to support that. So.
0: All right, I'm I'm nowhere near Rowett's camp on this. Like I can't stand that color green. One, I worked at StockX for too long. That color green is just too much. The Seahawks have that color green or a slight shade variation of it, and it just looks terrible. I feel like it's just like the most forced color green ever.
1: It's as extreme as the '90s, and their use of the word extreme, like like Harold and Tr- Kumar, <laughs> extremes. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's a documentary that's close to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you. No, I mean. Uh, it's just, it,
0: it, I actually think the car looks good. If you took that green like the, and color it, looks the color blocking The color blocking is great, but I, but the, the color itself I don't like.
1: What color would you put there? I think a tasteful gold would have done wonders.
2: Yeah, that would have been amazing, oh, right? Oh, God, that would yeah. have been so good. Yeah. Plus, it's a cryptocurrency, so make it gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Billion
1: dollar ideas. You're welcome. Bitcoins. I mean,
0: I feel like – so if I'm going bottom to top, steak is the bottom. I got to go Haas right neck and neck to the bottom of the barrel because they didn't do anything. They were like, uh, we mo- well, we took this panel off. We should probably maybe wrap it in make white. It bl- <laughs> Not even that. It was
1: just,
2: uh, we took some color off. Let's make more black.
0: Yeah. I mean, to their credit, the, the carbon fiber looks beautiful on that car when you see the close-up pictures, but you never will see that outside of the, the beauty pics that we're seeing right now, right? Like, Then, yeah. ov- obviously, the McLaren car is one of my favorites. The black and orange, the carbon and orange always looks good. I think it's kind of meh. It's, like, too much the same of, like, the last few years. Um, and I, I like the blue on the car. Like, the orange and blue is is, like, pretty powerful to me and then i would put um williams up there which i text you guys like that car is actually my favorite car so far leaps and bounds like i would be surprised if i see another car that i like better than this one to be honest um it's too bad we just won't see much of it
2: on
1: camera (laughs) first of all how dare you alex Albon? oh wait no i'll save that for the hot takes episode (laughs)
2: Yeah, um, I'll run through mine real quick. I agree with you. So far, like the color blocking on the stake, kick, crypto, whatever, is the best out of all the cars. It's like simple but bold. But that 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 shade of green, even if it was a different shade of green, if it was like olive, like Volt or British racing green or something,
0: chef's case, yeah, Volt would be cool. Like go a little bit more bright bright on the yellow in
2: that green yeah. and I
0: would be totally into it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, then I'm going to go McLaren in the P3 slot because it is, as you just said, Nick, it's like more of nothing. And you mentioned the blue. There's almost no, blue. like the fact yeah. or like the fit. My favorite part of McLaren, like color scheme is the orange and the blue contrasting and the blue that they use is really, really good. Uh, like it's pretty close to like laser blue from Nike. I like that, but it, that car is not, not good. And they removed the blue. So it's just orange and black mostly now. And uh, I think for that reason, it kind of sucks. Um, then we'll go Haas and the P2 spot because it's actually doing them more favors. I think looks wise to be more just black and white and, Further removing themselves from the toothpaste slash Russia uh, livery they had a few years ago, yeah. And then, yeah, li- uh, the Williams livery is is by far the best. The copper, what is it? Dursel, there it is. Yep. uh The Dursel airbox is the coolest, like gimmicky sponsor thing in F one by leaps and bounds. <clears throat> and they had more prominent golf branding yeah. on the back yep. of the car, which. I love so so here's like my
0: hot take wish for Formula One. This will never happen. But with Lewis going to Ferrari, which we're going to talk about here, I would love to see Ferrari go away from the (coughs) all red. Go away from the all red. Take this stake car and just replace the green with red and do like a black like a. Primarily black car with rich red, red accents, accents on a Ferrari would be amazing. Chef's
2: kiss. They would literally never do that. I think they'd rather yeah have. But a they'll still put tan them.
0: interiors in their street cars. God
2: damn it! No, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. A red Ferrari with tan interior. Come on, I'm not. A, I'm
0: not a fan of tan interior in any. Car. I agree
2: with you though. But. Tangent, but kind of. Uh, I see what you when, did there. <laughs> <laughs> the the it's coming special, from the tangent the special livery they did for <laughs> Monza? Not Monza because Monza got rained out last year
1: what was uh, the one was
2: it, with the yellow that, race suits? Yeah. I
1: thought that was Monza, I thought the other Italian race got rained out
2: maybe it was Monza, I'm forgetting which one but one of them got rained out, one of them had a special livery and their rear wing was just all black with the white Ferrari logo and that was Awesome. The rest of the car sucked, but that was awesome.
1: Anyway. Yeah, what, it, was it, it was Monza. Monza it was, was Monza? the one that
0: got...
1: Yeah, because the yeah. other Italian GP got rained out. And now I'm just struggling. Was that the Reggiano, or how the hell do you pronounce it?
2: Wait, Paris oh, Reggiano's 2022
1: Parmesan? Italian Grand Prix? Amelia yeah.
2: Uh, Romagna?
1: Yeah. By the way, way to no-sell my tangent... Uh, pun there, Todd
2: <laughs> just blew right past it. <laughs> I'm too focused on the agenda. Apparently,
1: this, this is why you're the professional one of the crew. I right? appreciate
2: that. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so we had some updates today again about some changes to sprint weekends. So now, sprint weekends going forward will be Friday. FP1 and Sprint qualifying, Saturday mm-hmm. Sprint and the Sprint race and Grand Prix qualifying, and then Sunday's the Grand Prix. How do you guys feel about So they that? were doing... Like, so they're literally getting one practice. Yeah. But before they would have FP1, then qualifying, then the next day was... The Sprint. FP, FP2. FP2 and the Sprint. And the Sprint. And then Sunday was a Grand Prix.
1: I know I'm the new one in the group, and this is probably going to be blasphemous. Do we really need three free practices? I want to
2: say that, like, having less free practices opens us up to more chaos like because they don't have enough as much time to set up the car yeah. so like a team like Red Bull or Ferrari or Mercedes could like set up the car wrong and i think we saw that to happen happen to Max last year the race that Carlos won when like Max was like all up in his feels about how bad the car was but this the way this is set up is the sprint race will just be like oh i qualified third i'm going to stay in third because i don't want to wreck my car for the race, I'm just gonna. Like, right.
0: I, I got. I got to put this out there. So, so you're saying the logic for this is the guy who won every race but one had one bad day, so
2: that's why we should. No, okay. <laughs> I'm saying the, yeah, I'm... The, the, theoretically, it, it it gives the team. Or it makes it more probable for a team to set up a car wrong, right? However, we did this six times last year and they set up the car wrong once. So is it really giving us that much more chaos that we all want to see?
1: I think it is because of the fact that it truly forces them to be focused on every aspect of it. Just the fact that... Red Bull dropped one race the entire year, and yes, it was a perfect storm in terms of they didn't set something up properly, and Ferrari actually had their shit together for one weekend. But still, that's what constitutes drama in this sport now. And anything that becomes a little bit more chaotic, I think, helps this sport. Because if I've learned something watching this sport in the last five years. It's a sport that prides itself on its normalcy and its consistency. And anything to shake that up, and I'll use the example of Las Vegas, right? I think Vegas is far more exciting than a race because nobody had any sort of experience driving that track. I think subsequent years for Vegas, it's going to be less and less exciting because there's going to be familiarity by the racers in terms of adapting to the track. So anytime I can get some sort of inkling where these guys feel a little bit out of fish out of water, I'm there for it.
2: But… They are going to have to qualify for the Grand Prix right after said sprint race, which means they're not going to want to wreck the car in between Fair. Sprint, sprint race, which means they won't overtake. They won't take chances.
1: But I mean, then to me, it still kind of constitutes and correct me if I'm wrong, like a free practice, because there's nothing substantial happening in free practice unless there's a wreck that ruins somebody's race weekend.
0: But points, right? You're getting – you still have points. You're getting but, points yeah. after
1: the fact. But then at the same time, I do think it's – that's more an infrastructural thing. If they're going to be stupid enough to put the sprint race ahead of the free practice, they're going to reap what they sow. I just think there's no point in having a free practice at all. I go completely off the sh- reservation then so to speak where I'm like just get rid of all free practices except for the one on Friday.
2: Well, that's essentially what they're doing.
1: But I'm They're going to have poor. one
2: free practice for the whole weekend. I, I – It doesn't have uh, clarification on when Park Ferme goes into effect. I'm guessing it's after free practice one, right? Because you can't make unless they like break it for the GP qualifying if they wanted to. But then, then the sprint race turns into even more of just a free practice session with closer traffic
1: or whatever you want to call it. But can I ask you guys this? Because the fact that they are going to be rewarded with the ultimate reward in Formula One season, which is points. Is that going to incentivize them to take slightly a little bit more of a risk in the actual sprint, or do you think it's just one of those things where if I'm on the podium on a sprint race, like you would mentioned, Todd, like I'm good. I'm not gonna really mess with this until Sunday if I have to.
2: I don't think they they're not gonna like dive bomb each other. Maybe Fernando will, because he doesn't care. But like
1: This the might rest be some teams a- right, and the reason I ask is this might be some team's only realistic attempt at a point. And so that's where...
2: But they're not going to, like, you're not going to... First of all, the points only go to eight. but And then second of all, they're not going to, like, risk it for the biscuit on getting P8 versus starting the Grand Prix in P10 and hoping they can move up and get Fair. six or seven points. You know what I mean?
1: Yep.
2: Whatever the point differential is, I don't remember.
1: Nick, when was the last time you risked it all for a biscuit?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Every day, man.
0: Every day. (laughs) I I think I think that it's gonna be interesting because like if they don't I don't think there's enough free practice, to be honest. Like I feel like the the cars that dominate can dominate on one you know max lewis they they can they can go out and run a handful of laps and be like okay cool feel good you know alonzo even in in the aston martin i feel like they have such an advantage with the like time that they've been in the seat with if there's only one practice you know like i think this actually hurts the lower the lowest of the teams More than anything, because, you know, you've got inevitably those are the guys that that spin out most frequently or end up in the wall or whatever. And now you've basically taken away all of it because they've got Friday early to get a couple to get to get some like free laps in and then everything else is competition. So those guys have to be more concerned with not getting in the way of the faster cars than they do performing, in my opinion, at this point in the way that things shake out. I know that's not exactly right on a sprint because, you know, I don't think we've had too many lapped cars on a sprint race. But it just seems kind of weird, kind of just a weird decision to
2: me. Yeah, I, I, you kind of just nailed it, Nick. I, I would happily give back the sprint format. For just a normal weekend format, because I am, as we all know, a giant nerd and I enjoy and watch the free practices because you can study the like the team's development through the weekend and and see what the drivers are saying between free practices and saying like, oh, you know, we had it too sharp of a front end and blah, blah, blah. We're going to try to dial that out for, for the next practice. I actually appreciate that more and Double stamp on on what Nick said. Like the teams that are understaffed and underfunded, like Haas, Williams, maybe not stake F1 kick team Sauber. Uh, I'm going to keep saying it wrong until I get it. Uh, It's okay. I call him Lupe
1: Piasco. Kick push.
2: (laughs) Kick push F1 team. All right. Well, that's what I'm going to say for the rest of the season. Um, those teams need the practice time more than a Red Bull that's already out of the box as soon as they roll off the plane a second a lap faster than the rest of the field.
0: Yeah, like like what's the logic behind it, do you think? Like is the logic, hey, we need to get more people watching both days and we need to get more people showing up on Saturdays and that's I why? Think that, I think that's
1: it. It can't be anything else, especially no, – the- no. It's they literally
2: said they want uh, to change the attendance over the weekend at the track. So. Because uh, you go for free practice on a Friday on a normal weekend, you can walk around relatively unbothered. Then you go on Saturday, that'll be, you know, maybe double the amount of people there. And then on Grand Prix Sunday. Yeah. You can't move, like it's just a sea of people, so they want to, especially for the uh, event promoters. If they're paying F1 like 20 million dollars to host the race, they want to maximize and have instead of having you know 400,000 people for the weekend, they want to have a like yeah, 150,000 people average per
1: day,
0: yeah. And actually, now that I think about it, F- FP1. Even sprint qualifying probably is not on like ESPN in the states, right? Like we probably only get the race. It is.
1: It's it's on ESPN Plus.
0: Oh, it is. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I think ESPN News as well. Like to your point, though, it gets relegated to the outer fringes of the extended ESPN universe, but it's definitely there now. So, I mean, I think that is in a way a win for. Formula One fans in America, but to your point, like I get it—they want their product to be front and center as many times as they can, and front and center. This, mind to me, represents at worst ESPN two, and at best ABC and ESPN simulcast.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder, like, if there's just a better way to do it. You know, like I, I, the sprint race is interesting to me, but it's not like it, it doesn't have the same appeal. Like I missed a lot of them because i was just like i'm watching the the race race like i know it's points but it doesn't have the same like it let, feels me, artificial. L- let me see yep. kind of thing setting up for the weekend and honestly like i don't i know this is not really feasible but i'd almost rather see you run two equal races like if saturday is you know the grand prix of whatever and Sunday is the something or other grand prix and flip the names So you get to see like, and make the points equal. Cause then the teams will come out and, and like, you know, you're still have that same kind of competitiveness both days. I think the sprints, mm-hmm. there hasn't been anything. I w- I'll take that back. There's only been a couple of interesting things happen in any of these sprint races over the, over the life of them. Right. Like most of them. Yeah, are I pretty to much think. Like, have
2: we had mail it in one or two good ones that we could say.
1: I was going to say the most uh, historical thing that's happened was wasn't Max able to secure his title this year at the sprint race itself and not the major race?
2: I don't think anybody really knew what was going on. They're like, oh, oh, yeah. uh, By the way, you're world champion.
1: But I mean, like that's the other thing. Like we have kind of gone on them and maybe we go after this tangent by me we've always gone after the modern day formula one for creating these artificial narratives. And I think this is just the final example of that where they're like, we need to do something because it almost, I get the sense that they feel that they're fighting a losing battle because it almost seems that some of the viewers that they've gained because of the drive to survive there are already regressing back to a post formula one life and existence. And maybe this is one last hurrah at them to say, no, please come watch us. still. we're exciting. We'll make it matter. Please just come on, stick with us.
0: I mean, I guess I'm completely off because Max has won seven sprint races. Valtteri Bottas has won two. George Russell has won one. Sergio Perez has won one. And Oscar Piastri has won one. So it is mixing things up better than I thought it was. I was thinking it was like nine wins for Max and like two other drivers. So. (laughs) Well, what? I guess
2: I did three, three and then. Six last year?
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be 70% max wins, and it's only like 58% max wins. So it's a win-win for everybody. <laughs> okay. It's, it, and by, by win-win for everybody, I mean win-win for max every
2: weekend.
1: <laughs> the win-win. When does he actually win? <laughs> Saturday.
2: Going down another hypothetical here, I think if it's, if it's me running Formula One management now or – the FIA or whatever, whoever decides this, this format. Um, if you're going to make an artificial race to like gain interest, go the F2 route and the sprint race is reverse grid and not even reverse grid, like top 10 reverse grid. Give me the full reverse grid. I want to see that Williams on pole and max in 20th. I
0: think that like, would maybe be interesting. The-
2: Yeah. If you, you want racing voting? and you've only got a third of the distance to to make up ground, and they only have think, a third of the distance to s- fall outside the top eight.
1: Do you think the only reason they haven't done that is when Max inevitably makes it look very easy when he comes back from 20th position to get into first position at a third of the distance that you mentioned? Like, that's too discouraging for the other drivers, and that's the only reason why? He he basically does that anyway, right? Like, on a on a Sunday? I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, he absolutely does. But I'm just wondering, like... I, I I'm with you. Like, let's truly shake things up a bit. Wasn't there a race in like
2: 2018 or 2019 where Lewis lapped yeah. the entire field up to like P four or something like that? It was something uh, oh, insane. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, he definitely had something like
0: that, but he also had a twentieth to first victory, right?
2: And Checo oh, did so too. Checo, yeah, yeah, Checo did too. Yeah. Uh, no, so, I mean, I don't think Lewis has, but yeah, uh, Lewis Checo has, definitely sure. did. Did he? Uh, yeah, you're probably right. I am not doubting him even though he abandoned his Can we talk about that yet or parentage. what else do we need? Uh we we've got one more thing I think. Uh, a couple Let's more things it. on this these weekend changes or yearly changes. Uh there's now going to be four power units per per driver per okay. season. Um so that means Alpine Alpine will take like one or two less engine penalties. Hey. Um nice. And this one I also did – this is the one I wanted to talk about the most is DRS to be activated after one lap instead of two, which I think is a bad thing. But I want to get Are you guys' opinion. See more trains? That's what I'm afraid of, right? Because like on – especially on race restarts, which I'm assuming this applies to as well, we have race restarts where some people choose to pit and some people don't. So you have a tire off, offset and sometimes a massive tire offset if they have, especially in the midfield, if they have DRS after one lap, they can, especially a car that's like fast in a straight line, like the Williams or something, say they're in P8 or something. That means P8 through P20 is now just a DRS train. Like I just don't see the, the benefit as opposed to letting the gap based on the tire delta form a little bit, and then we can have the DRS trains kick in. I don't know what it is, but there's
0: a really triggering joke about restarts and Lewis and Max that I want to throw out there right now, but I'll just, I'll just, I'll just leave do it. It. Save
1: it for the mid season. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I mean, I do kind of agree with you, but I've kind of always just thought like, if you're going to let them have it, let them have it. Like they should just, it should just be a thing or it should, it should not be right. Like. Yep. I, I, like there's more there's more issues if we if we just consistently have drs trains all the time right like there needs to be other things implemented to change up the the pace of these cars and the, and the, the i guess like the that that's what i just kind of come back to every time when i think about this it's like i don't know if you remember if you watched like jgtc racing Back in the day but like those cars that had the most interesting like so this is like japanese touring cars so think like okay. um this is uh, mid 90s so like literally like honda cords uh nissan skylines you know like toyota corollas to-
1: <laughs> ford Festivos, toyota
0: supras yeah like a bunch of but what was interesting is like if you won a race you got like a 50 pound addition to your car like you literally just carry 50 pounds worth of bricks or whatever you know material and like every time that like so if you have a car that's like max and he's continuing to win by mid-season he's at least reeled into the pack and has to drive he's actually got a family
1: of four inside his trunk yeah
0: (laughs) might even have i mean the way he drives who knows you might even have like the whole like generational family in the trunk by the time you know end of the season rolls around but but I think I think something like that is is more. There's more thoughtful ways to get these cars competitive. I know we talk about it a lot, and my position is like the cars just need to be smaller. They just need to be shorter. The, the tracks are not big enough for these cars to have like real competitive racing. Like if you go watch any other racing, even like the supercars and the the prototype cars in Le Mans racing are significantly smaller than formula one cars and like Mm -hmm. especially as you go down in size to the like the p2s and that kind of thing and then they're racing with you know basically overdone street cars in the other classes so like it's always entertaining to watch people navigate that and i think it it also challenges the drivers more in my opinion the thing that's boring about formula one right now is that the most dominant teams are just like so far and above the rest of the field that DRS doesn't even really help those lower teams like it doesn't you know like the the most interesting thing about DRS to me is when the drivers know that they're helping each other out and like that is really fun to see the dynamic of like oh you need like you need to be close enough to have this DRS so this guy doesn't pass you kind of thing I like that but it's so rare that we get to see that you know we see that once twice a season maybe out of you know 20 weekends. It just, it's kind of like, what's it matter? You know,
2: that's a good point. If, if it's going to be there, just let it be there or be there from the start. Make it more variable. Like what is it? What's the, the Indy cars push to pass. Is that what you're thinking of?
0: Kind of like that. But I was even thinking, let's just keep DRS, but let's give the teams that are on the bottom, like maybe a little bit less resistance. They get to go. Another 20% up on the flap or early access or something where it's like, oh, those guys just need the help to get ahead. Where like the cars that are just dominating, you know,
1: I like this. So if Red Bull needs DRS, they should have to be at least five seconds behind somebody. But if it's somebody like Williams, they only have to be half a sec behind somebody before the DRS kicks in. And then based on how good or bad you are as a team. It's a yeah, Something scale. like
0: that, yeah. Like based on last week's race position or something, you know, like that could be interesting.
2: But does that really matter if Max is already in P1 and I mean none of this stuff affects Max the way
0: he's been racing, right? <laughs> no, no, at, the,
1: <laughs> at this point, the only game in town is if Max gets bored. The minute Max gets bored, we have a competitive season again, but until then, we're all just clamoring for second.
2: I feel like that's not the case. Okay, so... Because we had... Before that, it was Lewis. Before that, it was Seb. We had a couple of mixed years. And before that, it was Schumacher. So it's like...
1: We're always going to have pretty that typical. one driver but, with but the car. But to this widespread of domination, because that's the thing I keep coming back to. Because when I ask you guys, yes, Formula One has always been characterized by a dominant figure, but we've not seen dominance like this in a while. Like, there's a very real possibility Max could run the table. And... You guys are the Formula 1 historians. Could that have been said about Lewis and his prime, Schumacher and his prime, where they are a threat to win every race and they're capable of it? Because for once, that number one call out that you guys would always tell me whenever I would say, hey, what's the likelihood of him winning every single race? You guys are always quick to tell me, hey, it's Formula 1. Sometimes a lug nut gets screwed a little too tight and that can throw this whole thing off. And then lo and behold, he's P13. It doesn't seem to affect this guy.
2: I would agree with you if Max runs the table or comes close again this year. Because, like, we could talk about Hamilton in 20, 2020. Second. No, 2020 is the weird year. So 2019, 2018, 2019. Something like that, right? Where he
1: yeah. his
2: only competition was Valtteri yeah. happily playing oh, Come on, that, that's not
1: competition.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean they the also true. had a couple of pulls and then yeah. shit the bed, right? Yeah. He he was quick many, many weekends. Max doesn't even have that. So so let so, me throw like, this
0: out there, Todd, because you're, you're, you made a good point. Like, Max isn't, you know, he's a, a kind of unreachable. But if we had some sort of variable DRS setup, right, then was it in Texas where Lando was up front until halfway through or – two thirds of the way through like imagine if Lando had either 20% more power from that DRS or a little bit early access to that DRS, that race instantly becomes way more interesting. We watch to the very end because it's going to be close, right? Cause it's not like it's the back and forth, I think would, would slow down the whole, the whole last quarter of that race. And I think we would see that pretty consistently once the team started understanding how that dynamic played in. Yeah, Max will be way out front, but they've consistently been catching him. Everybody's gotten better as he's dominated, even though it doesn't feel like that. I think everybody on the grid has actually improved pretty significantly with maybe the exception
2: of Haas, but. That's... (laughs) Was there a question in there, or you just want to throw a shot at Hoss again? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, I mean I just think like if
1: <laughs> you're such a you're such a
0: <laughs> I guess like in that example of like Lando and Max, if you, what you think if that would work for what we're talking about, right? Because I think that's the that's the one that pops into my head of like, oh, this could have been interesting.
2: The sliding scale thing isn't there's no like smooth way to interact that like say Red Bull has to be because they're so far out in front they have to be uh within two-thirds of like you know two-tenths of a second let's say before they get DRS that just doesn't physically work for racing um but like say they the only way to really do that is if you did a if you changed the DRS system or got rid of that completely and switched to like the IndyCar system of the push to pass, they have a set amount of seconds per race that they can use their overboost function or whatever. It's just extra power from the electric motors, whatever. That's the only way they could do that, right? Because then they could give a sliding scale and say Red Bull has, you know, two minutes of push to pass, but Williams or Haas or whoever's in 10th has five minutes of push to pass. That would then generate that that more active um, active passing on the track because, like the way just racetracks works, if you don't get DRS until you're two tenths behind, like, and then all of a sudden you get it, you're going to cause accidents and stuff. Yeah. It just wouldn't be safe.
0: I think it's more like you would. The way I would see it working is like having you know, the, the, there's they're sticklers about every measurement on the car, right? The DRS flap is checked every race. I think it's something like, oh, Williams is at the bottom. They actually get, you know, like a fifty percent less drag. Like they're they're open, like fully open. Where like down oh, they get
2: like, an extra seven millimeters yeah, or something. And, and Red Bull is error. like,
0: you know, five millimeters, you know, like something like that. Yeah.
2: Okay, I mean, I'm sure people much smarter than me could figure that out. But um, again, then you're getting into the whole like artificial, like, why not go to a spec car? Yeah, that's what I want to see. Right. Like like you mentioned, it's it's about the car being too big, not raceable on most tracks. There's a very small Mm -hmm. selection of tracks that these cars actually fit on. So let's make the car smaller and lighter while hopefully keeping it as safe and then everybody be happy. Okay, uh, last thing to talk about before we talk about the huge news, um, and it's more of just a mention, uh, Christian Horner is uh, – was on the Epstein Island uh, list. No, I'm just allegedly,
1: kidding. Allegedly,
2: allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christian Horner is under investigation from Red Bull proper, not Red Bull Racing, but Red Bull proper for alleged um, –
1: Inappropriate allegations made by a female person.
2: Something, yeah, a female within Red Bull.
1: Yes. I mean, I don't know if that's the
2: thing. Sorry, go ahead, Ro.
1: No, I was just going to say this. We don't know to what extent are the behaviors that Mr. Horner may or may not have done, but at the same time, we are trying to be very careful as a podcast because, A, we want to bring light to it, but we also are going to reserve comment until more information is being brought to the surface because right now, It seems like it's a lot of speculation and I don't think any of us want to get a part of that speculation, especially when the story may or may not come out and we were all grossly wrong about what we thought he did or did not do.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, best case scenario, he's a dick to work with, which I think is probably almost a guarantee and worst case scenario, we will talk about if it comes to pass.
1: Yes. Yep. That being said, if you want to hear our true thoughts, you can find it on only. No, we're not going to do that. i was told um, not to do that.
2: Other slightly big, big news item. Uh, instead of saying America, fuck yeah, they said fuck America to Andretti Cadillac F1 team. What do you What do you guys think's going to happen from here? What What I, like there's probably some legal battles coming or something, which isn't a good way to enter a sport and have everybody else on the grid hate you. Uh, what do you guys think about formula one management saying F you to Andretti?
0: Well, I sarcastically quote threaded since I wasn't on Twitter, I quote threaded the announcement and said that I can't wait for Andretti to buy Haas and hire Gunther Steiner as their team principal. Uh, But I got a bunch of – that's not going to happen from the
1: Are you telling me the internet can't figure out sarcasm and or guilt?
0: Yeah, they can't. But, you know, to be fair, I uh, I see so many ridiculous things about Formula One on the internet. I probably should assume that – I was saying something in seriousness too, but obviously not enough people are listening to the podcast. So please share this episode. So the people that can't understand our sarcasm on our social accounts can understand it by listening to us for a couple hours a week.
2: (laughs) Total voice matters folks or slash S on the post. Just pro tip, pro tip. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't see them this may be an overreaction, but I don't actually see them joining Formula One now, and that's a shame. Unless but what you said comes to pass. Yeah, I don't see them becoming an 11th team, even in 2026 or whatever, or 2028, I think they said. So is this um, Formula One or FIA? This is Formula One that denied them, right? Yep. Yeah, um, sorry, Rohit's camera just took a skydive. <laughs>
1: Or right, it was that, upset um, about
2: the outing. No, that's, All right.
1: that's, that's the free fall Formula One thinks it's going to be by allowing an 11 team on the grid. And here's to say, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Just let people race. Like, I don't understand this, but go on,
2: Todd. Uh, no, I, I, the, the, I don't see them joining F1 now because I don't think – like the whole plan was that they were going to join in 2026 – with a customer power unit. Everybody speculated it was pretty much well-known that it was going to be an Alpine customer engine agreement. And then while Cadillac slash GM developed their own power unit, and that was kind of the reason that uh, Formula One management, it wasn't the FIA because the FIA slash right. Bin Sulayem,
1: MBS.
2: Uh, MBS uh, gave the approval and then it went on to Formula One management and they said, no, because you're not bringing anything to the sport. We're actually giving you credibility, not the other way around. But if you brought an OEM, uh, you know, giant like GM slash Cadillac to the to the table, then you're bringing credibility and value, blah, blah, blah. The thing that pisses me off so much is I know that we have the majority Of Our fan base is from the Drive to Survive era and after, but if you remember, like the the early 2010s, they were like begging teams. We had at one point two different Lotus teams on the grid because they just couldn't field enough cars and they wanted the cars. I just don't understand why they think in the long run... And the teams are so against the splitting the pot now to see the value increase if they're trying to go after the American market so hard. With we have now have three American races and supposedly a fourth on the way, Chicago. But maybe Um, no, no. I just how can they not see that the the value add there to bring an American team to keep the American interest for for the sport. They want all Maybe. of our money and all of our fandom, but they don't want us to my, fight in there. Yeah,
1: sorry. Good my word. thought is – no, no, apologies. My thought is this. I think they've done the math and I think they've realized whatever value that we as a GEO, North America, could provide them, we no longer provide that. So I think is this their way of kind of saying no, we're not going to – succumb to the whims of this quote-unquote new fan base that's going to open up the world to us because it's already cooling off. So maybe if we were still kind of in the throngs and the popularity of Formula One at its apex, it might have gone through, but maybe this is them doing a bit of damage control on the back end.
0: So uh, as a like huge fan of sports car racing, I just find it ridiculous that the logic that was presented was if it was Chevrolet... Then maybe we'd consider it. But since it's just Cadillac, that's not a big enough commitment from the company or whatever. Because Cadillac, Cadillac's been racing for a long time, right? Like Cadillac won four straight 24 hour Le Mans, uh, 2017 to 2020. They've raced for they've raced in like sports car racing and IMSA for I mean, 20, 30 years now at least, like close to 30 years, I think. And like, I think they even raced the North Star stuff when those cars came out in the 90s as as sports cars, which is bananas to think you're taking those big boats from the street and popping that V10 or whatever into a prototype car that's tiny. But like, they have a pretty good history of racing. I think the interesting thing is Nobody thinks about Chevy, don't get me wrong, Corvette has that same parallel history in sports car racing with Corvettes, but they never race prototype cars, which is more similar to racing Formula One in my opinion. I think the interesting thing about it is if you really wanted to capture like the, the like racing audience that exists right now, you need to get those people from sports cars into Formula One if you're going after Chevy and not Cadillac, then you're going to go after like NASCAR. And yes, there's big dollar sponsors there. And yes, the company probably throws more money at NASCAR, but that type of racing is, is nowhere near the same audience. Right. Like, you know, I don't want to pick on him, but when Dale jr. Raced at, you know, Sonoma 20 years ago for the first time, caught the car on fire somehow. So like, You know, like sometimes people need to experience not driving in circles. But like enough of my shit-talking NASCAR, I get the marketing genius behind the whole sport. But I don't think that aligns with what Formula One is, which is the weirdest part of that whole statement around it. Because to say that Andretti, who already has successful teams in other racing bodies, and the family connection to Formula One... Throughout those years prior, right? It's just like... It seems really... Almost like targeted. Short-sighted? Yeah, like... it's Yeah, definitely. It just seems odd to me.
2: Like, it seems like there's more to it, right? It, it does feel like... That's what I was saying, like... From the start, it does feel like they want our fandom and our money, but they don't want us to have a seat at the table. Because there's... N- I don't understand. I, I, I do understand that they say that it gives Andretti uh, more cred, let's say, because they're now at the pinnacle of motorsport because everyone thinks you know F1 is the pinnacle of motorsport. And they're not wrong. But if they're already successful in all those other racing uh, – they're successful in IndyCar. They're successful in sports cars. Uh, I believe they have Le Mans entries. I think they're in extreme E or whatever that thing is. They're in uh, the Formula E. They're all over the place. Like they have enough street cred, whatever you want to call it, in racing that, that your Formula One's not really adding much. If anything, both both can be true. They're they're giving Andretti cred. But Andretti is also bringing a massive audience to Formula One potentially. Why
0: do you think Ferrari races Formula One? Because it gives them credibility. It's like this is a give and take relationship with every <laughs> fucking team on the grid. Like Quit not bro, to bro. mention that you have the 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 son of a formula a former Formula One champion trying to put a team on the grid. You are in already like the most incestual sport on the planet because it's such a gatekeep happy like oh if you're not the son of a driver or the godson of a driver or handed the keys to the formula one car you rarely get in right like that's why lewis is so special to me and i think that's the weirdest part about this is like it's it's not just like maybe pushing away the american audience it's actually like kind of in a way pushing away one of the people that you know like that like was a part of the sport for that so long table. i get yeah. that mario is not like signing the checks for this team but like that's like saying that mick schumacher paid his own way you know like it's just that's not how it works if the name is associated with racing the family races in my opinion right like we we've talked at length about Carlos Sainz going to Audi because of his father racing for Audi in a completely different world right now. But for some reason they're like, Hmm, we're going to give you too much credibility over there. Just doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> it really doesn't. I would just <laughs> say this. We've mentioned Carlos Sainz. We've mentioned Lewis Hamilton. We've mentioned Ferrari. Let's just get to it, because I don't think that there's anything that three of us can say in this episode that's going to change anybody's mind. And then at the same time, if they're stupid enough to make this proclamation, let them live with it. Because three years from now, when it's just the three of us talking into our phones, thinking that there's a semblance of an audience and there's not because they dropped the ball with this Andretti thing, we're going to be like, those bastards. This could have put all of our respective kids through college had they actually put Andretti on the grid. But because they didn't. It's just three <laughs> Yahoo's talking.
0: All right, let everybody know how to find you outside of the show.
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram at RoadM13 on Threads at RoadM13 on X at Rohizy on Blue Sky at RoadM13
2: on Instagram at dadshoe.jpg, on Thread at dadshoe.jpg. on Twitter shoe underscore jpeg. You can find me at Nick Ingval on all the platforms. More importantly, follow Exhaust Notes FM on all the
0: platforms, and the first link in the description will get you in the Discord. Appreciate you listening, watching. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace.